all week long, the country has been abuzz with what was coming today. We live in a country that is as deeply divided as any time in modern memory. And I'm speaking in the city that had the lowest percentage of voting for Donald Trump anywhere in the state of California at only 9.78%. But we are one nation and Donald Trump is our president. And members of our community that are sitting in this room and we're sitting on the steps of the Capitol today are strong supporters of Trump. And there are also members of our community who flew to DC to protest today and tomorrow. This diversity, it's one of the things that I love so deeply about our community. But I'm gonna to get to that later. The question is, how do we hold both of these truths? I've had people talk to me about how dark a day in America it was. That it was or it is midnight in America. And then this morning, as I listened to our new president, what struck me the most was that President Trump echoed these sentiments. President Trump said, quote, mothers and children trapped in poverty in our inner cities, rusted out factories scattered like tombstones across the landscape of our nation. An education system flush with cash, but which leaves our young and beautiful students deprived of all knowledge. And the crime and the gangs and the drugs that have stolen too many lives and robbed our country of so much unrealized potential. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. Now for some, there is darkness ahead. And for others, we are in the midst of darkness, hoping for light ahead because it has been so dark. But the common thread among all Americans is that it is a dark day in America. The Jewish reaction is a complicated one. As Peter Beinart has pointed out, that we are seeing the Jewish community deeply divided. We've seen internally among the Jewish community deep divisions among Orthodox and the Russian Jewish community who are deeply supportive of Trump. And the liberal and the secular community in Israel who's deeply opposed to Trump. Now some Jews have reacted to President Trump's use of America first as a direct reference to the anti-Semitism of Lindenberg from the 1930s. Lindenberg, he coined the term America first as an anti-Semitic line for the populist movement. He said three forces were gonna drag America into the World War II. The British, the Roosevelt administration, and the Jews. Professor Mark Dollinger, the Judaic Studies professor of San Francisco State, said this morning that he noted clear parallels between this morning's American First speech by President Trump and the Lindenberg American speech from the 1930s. Now, I'm not gonna give a political commentary because that's not my role. I'm not gonna speculate on what may happen or what may not happen. What I do wanna do is to look at us as a Jewish people and how Jews have responded to when they thought they were in a dark moment, when they were scared, when they felt as if everything that they knew that it may be in jeopardy. Because as a Jewish people, 
We've been in those places before. And all of rabbinic Judaism was born out of similar emotions. And all people who feel this way in our country, they can learn a lot from our history. Let me explain. In the year 70 CE, when our temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, we had known power and independence before that moment. We developed a religion based out of Jerusalem that was centralized around the temple with the Kohanim, the priests in charge. Now in the year 70, everything that we knew changed. We went from a centralized to decentralized, from having a land to having nothing. We had to leave the only world that we knew. We had to reinvent ourselves in the city of Yavna and invent rabbinic Judaism. The Judaism that all of us have been observing and celebrating now for almost 2,000 years. The blueprint for what they came up with creates an incredible three-step structure and process to be able to carry one's ethics and morals in a world. In a world which may be foreign to us. In a world where for almost 2,000 years we had no power. Even the budget of Emmanuel is based upon what they came up within the city of Yavna. If what any of us wants to do inside this institution that we propose does not fall into one of the three categories of Torah, Avodah, or Gimelid Chasidim, we don't do it because it's off mission. The first of these three steps in the system is Torah, or as the rabbis like to think about it, the head. This is the learning and the arguing. This is where the development of the Talmud came from. The Talmud is made up of thousands of pages of rabbis arguing with each other from multiple points of view. We have never been a monolithic people. We've always been a people of multiple voices, but all trying to get to the same truth. We even have a heretic in our Talmud, which we keep him there because he was smart. And his ideas, they brought value, so they keep him in the discussion. Now, there are other synagogues in the city that sent out an email on November 9th saying that we all sat in sackcloth and ashes, and it was Tisha B'Av, and we mourned. But that's not actually who we are, or who we as a people have ever been. We love that we have multiple points of views and dissonance, because it makes us smarter, it makes us stronger, it makes us better. That's how the rabbis came up with the Beit Midrash, the house of study. It was the cornerstone of the community, the place that was safe and respectful and hopefully alive with machlochet, with dispute, with conflict. When we come together as a people and we passionately share our views, all with the goal of peace and justice and equality, that is when we engage with Torah. La'asok b'divrei Torah to engage, to wrestle, to disagree with each other with the words of Torah. You see, this argumentation is theoretical and it's very heady. And the rabbis knew that you couldn't just live in your head. You had to live in your heart too. You can argue about shelter, which one can think is a house, but we're really dreaming of a home. This is where the second step comes in. Avodah, services, or the heart. It's coming together as a community. The community that you've been arguing with is the same community you now meditate with 
and pray with. And we call this community a minion. And you don't pray for how the world is or what you just studied or what you just argued about. What you meditate on is a fantasy of the world we dream of. We dream of a world of peace and of justice, and we speak of a prophetic vision that is just on the horizon. And then we end each and every service, just like we're going to do tonight, by saying the ancient words of the Kaddish that doesn't talk about this world, but it talks about the world to come, a utopia, a messianic time, which we will bring into reality. And we need this, because there's no way to build something from nothing without a vision of what something could be. And i got to be honest, that many of us historically and in the present day We want to just stay in these two realms. We want to stay in our heads and in our hearts, in our bubbles with each other. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and told me, ugh, I can't read the news anymore. I'm just reading fiction now. Or I'm binging on Netflix. This reality is just too painful. But the rabbis, they saw this potential problem with Jews who wanted to engage, who wanted to disengage from the world because they did not like who was in power. And they show us the perilous outcomes that come from this. One of the most well-known stories in the Talmud is from Tractate Shabbat about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son Elazar. Now Shimon Bar Yochai, they're talking about the Romans and he goes, ah, they're not very good at building cities. And the Romans are really good at building cities. If you look at the Jewish cities, not as good as the Roman cities. Well, the Romans hear this and they're furious. And they, they put an edict and they're going to take him out. And so Shimon Bar Yochai thinks, what's the best place to hide? And he goes to the Beit Midrash. Because who would think to look for a rabbi in the Beit Midrash? Shockingly enough, within a day, they realize we should go to the Beit Midrash. So he leaves there with his son and he goes to a cave. And inside the cave, he buries himself all the way up to his neck with his son. And they sit there for 12 years studying. Now tradition says this is where the Zohar and Kabbalah comes from. But it's a very classic view of a rabbi. There is no body, it's just mind. At the end of 12 years, they find out that they can come out. They go outside, and as they see people working in the field, they open their eyes, and like laser beams shoot out, and everything bursts into flames. Well, God sees this and says, stop it! That's my world! Get back in your cave! And they get sent back in the cave. And for 12 months, they sit in the cave, and they have to learn how to be in the world. And when they come out of the cave 12 months later, Elazar, because that's his son, he's the younger one, and maybe it's because he didn't know any different. Whenever he looks at anything from that point, it bursts into fire. But his father, Shimon Bar Yochai, learns to balance it, and he heals it. We are not permitted as a people to sit in our bubble to avoid engaging in the world. And if we engage, we're not permitted to wish for its destruction or someone's failure. It's our job to take what we've learned, to take what we've dreamed of, and then to roll up our sleeves and to help build that in the world. And that brings us to the third step in rabbinic Judaism. Give me Lud Chasadim, acts of loving kindness. Torah is the head, Avodah is the heart, and Gimilud Chasadim is the hands. This is how we take those lessons and those dreams and we push them into the world 
to carry out mitzvot. When we see discrimination, we're expected to stop it. Because we were slaves in Egypt, and we know in our kishkas what that feels like. So we need to make sure that no one else is treated that way. And the thing is, when you go out in the world and you act, it's a really messy place out there. That's why Shimon Bar Yochai and Elazar had such a difficult time. But that's the world that we're in. And when we're confused and when we're challenged by the realities in front of us, that's when we come back together to learn together and to study together, Torah. And then we pray together, Avodah. And then we go back out into the world, we use our hands, and we bring light into the corners of darkness. You see, that's what we do. That's what we've always done as a people. When most thought that Judaism was over, we reimagined it 2,000 years ago. In the 1940s, when we looked at ourselves and we realized that millions of us had been murdered and that Judaism represented death and destruction, we rebranded Hanukkah and we turned it into the Central American Festival. In 1948, out of the ashes, we stood up and we danced in the streets, celebrating our return to the Promised Land. We're a people who have been looking to the horizon, sometimes needing to squint our eyes, trying to catch that very first glimpse of light at daybreak. Valerie Kaur, a Sikh thought leader and a civil rights lawyer, she said just last night, what if this darkness, it's not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if America is not dead, but it's just waiting to be reborn? A common thread has woven its way through our nation. With all parties seeing darkness, the only difference is where, the night, where in the night you think we are. Is it midnight, or is it just about to be dawn? It's our job as a community to come together, to hear each other, to dream together, and then to use our hands to lift up our collective paintbrush, and then to express those dreams and hopes. They can no longer just live in our mind or in our hearts, but they must live within our land. Those dreams of equality, dreams of justice, dreams of peace and prosperity to all facets and all people of this nation. So on this Shabbat, whether you're celebrating on the Shabbat or you're protesting on the Shabbat, all of us are praying that this moment of darkness be the darkness of the womb as each of us reaches toward the light to burst forth and make life, liberty, and the pursuit of justice. Can you hear so? We turn back to our prayer.